following The Leftovers, the officially unofficial podcast for The Leftovers on HBO. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And tonight we're covering Season 1, Episode 10, the, the season finale titled The Prodigal Son Returns. This is the big one, the one we've <clears> all been <throat> waiting for, I think. Or at least I have. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you're watching this show... And, you know, the, the Lindelof loss thing has been big in everybody's mind. Uh-huh. You kind of wanted to see how they ended the season. Sure. To know whether your faith or the effort and the time that you put into this show is going to be rewarded <laughs> uh-huh. or whether it was going to be a hatch on a desert island. <laughs> Personally, I like the hatch parts of Lost, but, yeah, yeah, I get where you're going. And right. I feel like we got... A really good episode. In fact, I it exceeded my wildest imagination of definitively putting the end and putting an exclamation point or a period on some plot lines mm-hmm. and leaving just enough still open that the season two is tantalizing. Mm-hmm. Yet, if we never got a season two, this is a great place to leave the story. Sure, I could buy that. I'm going to go I'm, so far. I'm totally. Sus- I'm. I'm. I'm both satisfied, uh-huh. but wanting more. Yeah, that's how they should leave you. Like with I an just pending season two. I just had a fine meal at a restaurant, capped off with a perfect dessert and the the perfect alcohol pairing. You're I can't st- eat another bite. You're stuffed. I'm yep. stuffed. But I'm definitely coming back to this restaurant. Sure. Yeah, there will be another time and place for this. Thing. I feel like I feel like lost season one. I'm in the middle of finishing my plate, and the waiter just jerked it out of my hands yeah, yeah. and gave me the bill. Mm-hmm. You're leaving no tip. Yeah, <laughs> sure. No, uh, I I will go so far to say that this might. No, this is the best episode of the season. Ooh, I can't. De- I mean, I J- even just from a pure cinematic quality. Sure. Level. No, it's I I'm. The only reason I want to argue with you is because there's been a lot of really outstanding episodes. There have been, yeah. But I got to say, uh, and and this isn't a season of several, two or three episodes where I was really emotionally moved. This one probably had the most uh, emotion yeah. packed into it, which, again, this has been a fucking emo show. <laughs> you know, if, if this... Sure. <laughs> From goth Jill to the... Yeah, the anti goth GR. I don't yeah, no, totally. This 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 show would would be wearing wearing all black, smoking cigarettes yep. behind the school, uh, listening to Death Cab. Pretty fucking amazing. I yeah. I'm amazed, and and we got um, at least one notable take to the contrary. Slightly disappointed. Whoa, whoa okay, and not from just I'm like some Johnny hear... Come lately, a uh, well known contributor to the show. Not our professional podcast critic. Not right? a professional podcast okay. critic. Uh. Let's talk a little bit about the opening montage, vignette. It's not really a montage. It's more of a vignette where you've got the music. I don't know the name of this song. I I don't either. This show has an honest-to-God montage in it, though. It does, Um, yeah. It's funny because as I was thinking about this song, I'm like, this seems like the kind of thing that someone's listening to on a headset. Yeah, yeah. And then it turned out out to be Christine, (laughs) and I started thinking... Like, we know that there's been, she's had prophetic dreams in the past. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, are they trying to suggest that maybe when she's dreaming, she's aware of some of these things happening? Mm, That the world is shaping around her dreams? It seems like there won't be much of Christine going forward, so maybe not. Yeah, she seemed to have pieced out. That's an idle thought. You really, okay. This is more of a wrap-up cast, because that's the other thing. This is not our final podcast on The Leftovers. There's going to be some leftover leftovers Next week, I'm going to shotgun the book. 
Okay. So I'll have that to talk about. We are going to probably leave a lot of theories and speculation and spoilers, or not spoilers, but uh, uh, predictions on the table for next week. We probably yeah. will have more feedback for you. Uh, we should have a pretty full-featured show because this, this is just too... I feel like this is going to be chock full of enough just off of our reactions and discussion of what happened that we could easily go two episodes. Sure. Just what happens, we're going to. So. <laughs> uh, th- this first scene, I I love the song that they chose. I, mean, this, I did too. This piece of music is hauntingly beautiful, kind of like the rest of this episode in a way. Um, and and the, the imagery that they put underneath it, I I, I found myself... You know, really affected it's a, more than I should have been, I think, given the two week gap that we had between the previous episode and this one by Kevin's dilemma here and his predicament. Yeah, and the director, uh, Mimi Leader, uh, also written by uh, Lindelof and Perota. They're the author of the book and the creator of Lost, uh, respectively. Actually, I got those two yeah, flipped yeah. around. She did it in a phenomenal job because these, and then an editor too. This show, this seems like it was shot like a music video to these beats underscored by the yeah. particular music because you see this bloody aftermath of of the situation with Kevin and Gladys, and Gladys is looking smug as hell, that, even in death. Is it Patty or Gladys? I'm sorry, not Gladys, Patty. Okay. And you can see, I, I swear to God, Justin Thoreau, not on my radar before this, this show at yeah. all, but you can see what the man is thinking with this music going on underneath as he's kind of debating about what to do and like finally whipping out his phone. We think he's calling Matt. Mm-hmm. I just, and, and the way they cut all this around, you know, the reveal of Jill and the great, the, the guilty remnant house and Lori not being happy yeah. about it. Then cutting to Christine. I just really genius filmmaking. So let's talk for a second about that scene with Jill and Lori. I I feel like during the scene I was thinking you you huge bitch like who which one Lori Lori okay, because Lori. now you've gotten what you wanted in a way in a perverse sort of way mm-hmm. she's got her daughter back mm-hmm. after throwing the freaking lighter in the sewer in the drain pipe after completely rejecting her family, now her family is coming to her, and she is getting a reward for all of this. And I do not want to see her get that. Yeah, but it's it's kind of, you know, monkey paw or gifted magi, yes, and that she's it's not completely right rose colored for her. I agree with that, but she is getting some reward for it. Yeah, and that's one thing I did not want to see is Lori's behavior paying off for her in any way. Do you still feel the same after the whole episode? I do. Yeah, really I, interesting. I think you know, at the end, it's interesting when she breaks her silence to save her daughter. I think that's certainly a potential turning point for this character, but it doesn't look like she actually changed anything about her convictions or her stance. Oh, on man. Her. I feel like she's standing. She doesn't walk home with her family. Okay. So I guess we're just going to fucking freeform this. We're just going to stream of consciousness this. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <clears throat> I feel like I could write a book. On the looks that Kevin and Lori were giving each other and Jill over that smoky battlefield at the end when everything's wrapped up. Like, I feel like she wanted to go back in that time, but, but, but Kevin and Jill are both pretty frosty in the way they're looking or maybe Hmm. 
a little blamey, a little like this, you know, like what the fuck? She did kind of orchestrate this whole no, thing. No, I'm not saying that <laughs> any of that is improper. Those are okay. feelings real people would and should have, and they were emoting through their eyes, and Lori got yeah. that. And I don't think, you know, because this is the same woman that said that she was broken for other reasons, and we know the whole you know, rapturous, miraculous miscarriage thing happened, and who knows how badly that fucked her up, especially in the middle mm-hmm. of her and Kevin's relationship kind of disintegrating, and God knows what went on with her fucking piece of work ex before that. However, I just feel like that she was kind of open to that a little, and then she kind of got emotionally rebuffed, which caused her to go off into the wilderness where she met Tommy. That's super interesting, and I want to talk about more. Yeah, yeah. But also, I feel like she's really on the knife edge. She could either, and this is for the guilty remnant in general, this event is either going to well, kill a lot of them, probably. Yeah, it probably already has, yeah. Um, it's going to either make them double down, um, and they're going to even be a bigger menace in, in, in the season to come, or it's going to make a lot of them question it and get out. And Loria has been in that position all season long, She's never broken her silence. She's never broken her vows. She did for Jill. Yeah. That means something. I don't know. I think know. it does mean something. Yeah. And I, I could, I, I am 50-50 whether she's still wearing her white Pater's pants next season or not. I really, I really couldn't say. Sure. Certain, certainly at the end of this, this show continues, continues to do a masterful job walking down the line of possibilities. Yeah. Continuing to hint at everything and giving nothing. Um, the, the the way they play the supernatural angle continues to be brilliant. Sure, With you Wayne just can't episode. tell. Yeah, wow, uh, great stuff, <laughs> great stuff. I I really like, you know, more more about kind of this opening scene. I like the way they transition out of it. I think that that was great. I was kind of wondering, like, how is this going to mesh with a, a show that we know tends to have a little more action in it? Uh, <laughs> and I was worried that they're going to kind of jar us out of this this song and this mm. vignette but i think mm. they did it really well they've got you know the slow build of tom yelling at christine yeah and then the and, and then the and the baby crying and, and the the intro continues to be such great uh you know palate cleanser like uh-huh. i still it's i judge hbo openings whether 10 episodes in i'm fast forwarding it or not okay and I'm watching every one of these, and I still occasionally get a nugget out of it. But it's just a sure. great way to kind of get your mind right for the episode to come. Yeah. Uh, so where do you want to go from here? Should we talk about some Can of the I things t- that We're we talking predicted? about significant looks. Okay. Christine, when Tommy was doing all this, fuck Wayne, we don't need him. I'm going to take care of you. <laughs> we're going to find it. She gives him this look back. She says, I, I know you will. And she smiles at him, but we know that she's just about to abandon a baby and him. What's yeah. going through her mind? Can you even ballpark it? Because uh, I have no clue. She's got, so she's got to be fucking scared, right? These are kids. These are practically kids. She's, is, she even, is she even 18? Do we know we that? I don't know that we're sure of that. Right. Um, I'm I, I don't know. Tommy's so, a college kid. Yeah, Tom, Tommy's in college. Um, they're not well equipped to take care of this child, certainly, to say the least. Uh, they have no money. Well, yeah. well, they have some money, I guess. Tom's they're, been very frugal, but yeah, yeah, yeah. N- not a bunch of money in the grand scheme of things. Right. Uh, 
and now she's got this new baby she's got to take care of. She's also kind of wondering what the deal is with Wayne, I think. Like, she's just found out that she's not the only one. Yeah, apparently this is apparently to, uh, Tommy has told special. her all the stuff that he learned from the other place. Yeah. Which he so, didn't have to. So her ideas of who she is and what this baby is and what its importance is have have just been shattered. So she's got to be scared by that as well. Uh, and I think she's just confused and scared, and she's she's running because of that. Um, that makes a lot of sense. What did you make of the three-way conversation, quote-unquote conversation, between Lori, Amy, and Meg? Lori, Amy, and Meg? Yeah, because Meg is, like, they're wanting to go. They're wanting to do this Memorial Day thing. And she keeps on snapping fingers and saying, are we going or not? Amy? Where the hell is Amy? I'm sorry, not Amy. Lori, Meg, and Jill. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Where she's saying, are we going to go do this? And and Jill refuses to engage with Lori until she says, talk. She's trying to keep her daughter out of this very dangerous situation. Yeah, but so what, what's, Jill, what's Jill wanting from this? Is Jill wanting to join mm. the guilty remnant? remnant or I, is, I don't know about that. Because she said at the end she wants her mom to talk, and when her mom refused yeah. to do that, she's like, Fuck it. I'm going to throw I'm going to rip uh-huh. off my clothes and throw on the painter overalls and show I, you. I think she's just pressuring her. I think I think she's saying I don't want you to be a part of this and if you're going down with it, I'm going down so with it. This is too. like day- so not, now you've not only got your life on your hands, but you got mine on your hands. So this is the Dale Gambit from Walking Dead. Oh, you want to <laughs> you want to die in the CDC while I'm sitting with you and you can't stop me. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. All yeah. right. Gotcha. Um what is Lori thinking? Like, if this is really unsafe for her daughter, she's not a critical point in the plan. Why doesn't she just, I don't know, be a mom? Uh, Lori, I don't know if you've noticed or not. Lori's not great at being a mom. Hmm. She's more, she's more broken up about this whole departure thing than she is with uh, leaving her family. Um. How far did you get into the Nothing Else Matters montage before you realized that was Metallica song? So I think I would have noticed it while they were walking out to the, the van. Okay. Uh, but I was spoiled. I read an email that someone sent in that said that was Nothing Else Matters. But, yeah, to- totally. I'm a big fan of the Black Album. So Yeah. Um, it's funny because, like, I'm at the age where I was a Metallica fan before the Black Album. Sure. Master of Puppets. And, and even then, before Ride then, the it's lightning. like, it was, it, for a Metallica fan, the Black Album was seen as like kind of a sellout. Something Incorporated? What was, what was the other one? Uh, it was Ride the Lightning and... Yeah, Kill Em All, Ride the Lightning. Kill em all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Damage Incorporated, I think you're talking about, for okay. Master of Puppets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, we saw that as a sellout album. And yet, sure. looking back, it's just like me being a teenage asshole. That's a really awesome album. It was different. It wasn't until they but, got to yeah. the trust I seek and, and, <laughs> and the, until I actually realized what was going on. It was such a slow con for me. Okay. And I was super delighted. Uh, yeah, well, they switched it up. It's not guitar, it's strings. I liked it. Mm, well, it's kind of... I, I wonder if that was from their S&M album where they did the symphony stuff. Oh, yeah, they did. Because they already had a take of that, I believe, on that album. I don't know. So the the song they play at the beginning of this is not the original version either. Sure. It's a cover. Um, I don't know the name of it. I wish I did. You don't happen to have that, do you? I do not. Okay. Um, But, yeah, they used a couple covers, which were slower versions of the real, the original songs. 
just setting the mood. What did you think of the way they used this montage where they did the really heavily blue desaturated footage of like the present day? And then they had the color of the like past of really, I feel like holding your hand. If you didn't realize what was going on with Patty with the clothes and the break-ins and stealing the photographs, I felt like that was the one part of the episode that was a little bacon gauntlet a little ham-fisted. That, I'm, like, I'm curious as to why they even felt the need to, <clears throat> to include that. In the yeah, show, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That. That's what I'm saying. I felt like that yeah. was uh, for a, a little bit uh, 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 not trusting the audience to get it. A little bit. I, I, I wonder if they knew that they weren't going to air this all back to back to back each week. Mm. Um, and maybe they said, okay, we, we're not sure after an entire flashback episode. And this and taking a break, week off. If people will remember that they stole these photos. I, and maybe just because we're, we're podcasting about it and actively thinking about it, we remembered it. Maybe that was more useful for people who are just watching the show. Um, it, it did work because I feel like they could have skipped right from them getting into the van for Metallica's Nothing Else Matters to the beautiful camera work they did on the flags where you could see the dawn coming through them. And they went around yeah. to just different places, like iconic places, the Heroes Memorial, some kids sitting yoga style. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the, the, the empty shopping cart that slammed into a car from the pilot, that guy's pushing it there. Uh, the the it Downs was, kid sitting oh, in the living room. Man. And I'm like... It just felt like one of those games, you know, you play as a kid where you like put a balloon in a shark's mouth, or and then you like <laughs> what? Yeah, I've, I've, <clears throat> no, I've not heard of this game. Oh, we had this game. I can't remember what it was called, but it's like you had a balloon and it was in a shark's mouth, and you rolled dice, and that was how many. You, and then you moved around the board, and that's how many clicks you had to give to the shark's jaws. And then eventually the balloon would burst, and it's like, you know, after you got like 20 clicks in, as a kid, you're like about to shit your pants because you know. It's, it's the shark version of Jenga. The kind, yeah. So it's, it's like the 11-year-old version of Russian roulette. Okay, and it's that, yeah, that yeah. tension. Like every single time they popped on a different person's face uh-huh. or a different vignette, it's like, oh, my God, this is just going to we, – we've speculated how crazy this is going to drive the town. Uh-huh. But then you get to Nora laying in bed, and I'm just like – Holy fucking shit. And Carrie Coon. Yeah. yeah. I can't get enough of her. I yep. I was expecting a lot of her reaction and the fact that they just played it silent. And did that little. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. How do you work yourself up to that scene? Think. Think of the horror. Like, I'm watching this. I'm putting myself in her situation. I'm Three going, and a half years ago. This might be the most horrific thing I can think of. Like, from pure psychological torment. Yeah. These guilty remnant people are fucking sadists, man. And and I wonder if they even really understood how it would affect someone like Nora. Like, I, I think, you know, it's easy to say, okay, well, this will get these people to remember it in a somewhat horrifying way my first thought but when, for nora it was absolutely oh. uh, it it broke her my first thought when i saw her get up from the table is she's going to get her gun and she's going to kill herself and sure or would the guilty the remnant even care um i don't know if they if That's they directly question. led to someone dying would they are they that nihilist that they wouldn't even care or they'd be like good i know there are people in particular you know, movements that are that committed that they wouldn't give a shit. I just wonder sure. the average GR. Uh, I, I don't know on the GR if they're okay with killing people. They're certainly okay with killing themselves. Right. To make a point. But I, I just think 
I don't know how you do it any better than they did it in this episode. And they put in that little camera trick where the they somehow it's almost like they're they're shoot they're they're shooting a reflection of a mylar bag that they then they kind of twitch because it looks like the whole camera is like imploding. Oh yeah, they give that little shaky cam to it to. And they drop the they drop the sound completely out to where it's just like a tinnitus, like Ooh. yeah, oh so fucking good. Uh, very very Breaking Bad effect is what I was thinking of when I saw that, except maybe uh, slightly more subtle. <laughs> um, so I thought that was cool. Her just I, I put myself in her position and I think the the idea that first someone is just sitting in your kitchen. Oh my god, there are strangers in my house. That would be unsettling. Then, that that alone is unsettling. Then you go to. This is my family. Oh and this my is god. all happening in your brain. They're you have back. no control and, over and it's, it. It's, it's just waves instant. of oh god hitting you. Yeah. So my family's back. Then crushing disappointment when you realize it's not really not. your family. And, and they're like, they're such good but disturbing likenesses of her family. That's the other thing. Like, do you think? I feel like this is the bargain basement loved ones, and now I'm it starting to like think it. that yes. twenty, forty grand might. The one she was kissing. The one that she was grinding on yeah. was the. They, these were not the thirty thousand Cadillac. <laughs> these are the Uncanny Valley. Kind of look like you dug them up. Yeah. And there's that. Like, oh my God, are, are they actually dead? Because they kind of look corpse like. Just yeah, Jesus, what a mind. Seeing your fun. family come back and them them not reacting to your presence and not moving and then realization horrifying absolutely horrifying uh so i i i really appreciated that scene um we really kind of have mostly matt stuff to talk about at this point um or not in the sure. matt. i mean do, uh, do matt we, and kevin how much of nora stuff do we want to talk about because she's got significant stuff at the end let's leave that as well let's leave that okay. um and talk about matt uh we speculated on the preview cast that we did. HBO invited us to do a special yeah, yeah. Uh, finale. If you missed that, you might want to go back and look at the archive. Um, it's a little short 22-minute thing. We talked about how if we believe Matt would show up and be an accomplice to this murder. And I feel like the way they shot and introduced this, it made perfect sense. I completely yeah. bought it. In, yeah. in, in Matt's mind is a question of, do I believe this man is telling me the truth? Do I believe he's a good man? So I'm going to sure. I'm going to accept at face value everything he's told me, and I don't even think he sees it as an accomplice uh, that he's an accomplice to a crime. I think he sees it as a, he's like a vigilante. He's helping this man. Yeah, he's he's, he's, he's seizing he's, an he's, opportunity to help this guy. He's preventing a miscarriage of justice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but even more than you know, just helping him move the body and bury it, he's using that as an opportunity to to help Kevin see the way he sees sure. things with the, with the bible verses. Do you so there's a lot to talk about here. First of all, Matt does a really good job at building Kevin up. Mm-hmm. And you know, just saying that I believe you're a good man. She was wanting you to hurt, she's wanting to make you pay because you're a good man, which is that makes a certain amount of sense. If Kevin was evil and didn't give a shit, this wouldn't bother him. But Patty sure. did that so he would know. Um, then he made him read this passage from Job 23. What did you think of that? So it, it seemed to me um, I didn't know exactly where this was from at the time, but it seemed to me listening to it that it was Job being stricken blind. Um, 
and kind of lamenting his position, right? I don't think Job was actually stricken blind. I thought he was. He had boils. You're thinking of Paul, Saul. The, the Apostle Paul, who was Shit. named Saul, was struck blind. All right, well. Regardless, yeah, my, my, is God being a dick. <laughs> He's giving boils. <laughs> killing family being boils or striking people blind to make his point. Well, well Satan was technically the one doing that to Job, True. right? Yeah, not, not God. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, it's, we talked extensively about it before the show. We did. So as and, in, uh, what was what was your actual point there as regards? So to I show? actually was strangely moved because I feel like, you know, I'm not a believer, but I this is um, like a quintessentially Jewish way to look at God, or it's almost Lovecraftian that you've got this awe-inspiring, dread uh, view of God that He's this <clears throat> uh, being that's so far above you. And he's doing things that you think is for your benefit. He's refining you into gold, but you, you you can't fathom all of his purposes. And you're just being ground up in this cosmic meat Works grinder. In ways, I tell you. And and all you can do is try to appease or go with the flow as best as you can. And um, again, I felt like I, I'm, I'm not a believer, but I felt like that was fairly moving in an odd way. And I felt like it connected with Kevin the same, the same way. Cause it's, it did. It's yeah. a story of, of his life. You know, it's, it's, it's a way of Matt saying there can still be a God who has got a plan for you. Just, you can't ever understand it. And, and it seems like Kevin has always been fighting against that. And, and it lends, that's one thing I was talking about. And that, that ties in with the dogs, you know, that this, thing that it's like this metaphysical uh that god is like this prosecuting attorney or um mad scientist that's trying or or he's like the he's like the crazy fitness instructor that's screaming at the fat person and the biggest loser uh and tormenting them and making them do a bunch of shit they don't want to do and hurting them so they can lose 100 pounds and cry at their family in the finale episode right but okay. at each step i feel like there's they give some kind of weird nobility to the otherwise pointless struggling of life. Interesting. I don't view it that way. I'm, we could definitely get into a <laughs> certainly we could to an hour. We could talk another hour. Philosophical could, conversation like we did before. We could reenact that. Uh, uh, but I'd rather not, except to say that I don't see that as any uh, worshiping a god like that as any more noble than existing in a universe without a god like that. Do you think when he's in between him saying you're a good man, Kevin, and Kevin saying, if you touch her, we're in this together. There was a brief three-second flashback where he saw every one of his family's faces that he's since lost. Okay. What was the significance of that? Jesus, I don't remember that. Yeah, he said, because you're a good man, Kevin, and, and like Kevin looked at him, and then it flashed to like Jill's face smiling and braces, and Lori's face smiling, and Tommy's face smiling, and he goes, well, if you touch her, we're in this together. So, it, I mean... That thought clearly led him to confessing all of this stuff that he confesses to Matt, right? Eventually, there's another... I mean, here's the other thing. So, he reads this thing, Job 23. Um, he brings him water. There's almost like a, a very clear allusion to baptism here. Okay. Where he's lit... Like, Matt metaphorically washed his sins away, and now he's physically washing his sins away. Uh, he goes to sleep and he wakes up and and Matt has taken him to this psychiatric facility his father is being held in. Sure, dream, but you know, 
Did why? Okay, I didn't realize it was a dream until Patty said, "Wake up!" Certainly, I, <laughs> I did was not. like, "This is fucking crazy." <clears throat> this show has gone it's off go- the rails. It's now completely supernatural. What's did, happening here? Did you feel like it was a with all the Lazarus stuff in previous episodes? I could totally see Patty coming back and that being a normal part of the show. Oh no, shit! Or even if she's not, this could just be a, a, a blatant manifestation of Kevin's crazy insanity. Yeah, and it feels like at that moment he might have just broke and doesn't understand and finally understands that he is crazy. Did you feel like when it was established it was a dream that that was a unfair thing to do to you as an audience member? No. Did you feel cheated no. in any way? Uh-uh. I didn't either. Before. I didn't either, yet this was the longest, most extensive dream sequence, and yeah. it's the kind of stuff that I've said before I'd be pissed if they did. <laughs> and I can't, I can't articulate why that felt completely right. Uh, Other than I can see Kevin having that kind of fucked up dream sure. after the experience he had. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff swimming around in Kevin's head at this point. And, and Patty is definitely mixed up in that. Now, we do know that Kevin does have a life unless Dean and Patty are fucking with him, which is possible. Again, this show does a great job of going between his lines. We do know he has his alternate life while he sleeps. Did yeah. we get a glimpse into that? When Patty says, it looks like I'm going to be your companion going forward, are we going to be in for some more Patty apparitions and visions in seasons to come? Interesting. <laughs> we could be. We could be. Uh, I would not rule that out, certainly. But since this is explicitly a dream, there's only so many conclusions we can draw from it, right? I think so, yeah. I think it, you need to take it more as his mental state than any kind of plot points going forward. Um, I loved his... It, it's a shame that this wasn't real because parts of the stuff that his father said I thought was just genius writing. Um, his whole speech about we all knew we're all bad men. That's why we're here. We belong here. Mm-hmm. That like I knew with my mind, my heart, and my nuts, the holy trinity. <laughs> uh, there's just so much genius writing, and Where's this is gut? such a great there's character. There's no gut anymore. It's all nuts. It's the nuts. Yeah, it's the nuts. Uh, <laughs> the balls. Um, the fact that she climbed up on him and was like doing well, a little. Plenty of guts in this episode. <laughs> we'll get there. Doing a little slow grind. She, like, seduce, sleep rapes him. Yep, Just very yep. increased. Disturbing. Very disturbing, very unsettling. The music was kind of swelling. She ends up screaming at him. And yep. then we wake up, and we're in Matt's car, and he has this catharsis. I I don't even know. There's so much to unpack in this scene. Just his conversation with Matt about what really happened and the fact that he poofed in mid-fuck with some rando and was, that's during the the lunch scene, right? Yeah, which is a this lot of the same breaking shit down during lunch scene? Is this the same restaurant that Kevin <sighs> Senior and Matt met him at? Maybe it, it, it might have looked like the one that yeah, Patty and Lori. Is this the same restaurant at? for all of them? It might be the same restaurant for all of them. Yeah, I didn't have time to go back and actually look and compare the interiors of these places and the hap, you know. But yeah, I thought it looked. It, as like the daytime version of the place they met that night, and then like, oh shit, that actually looks like the 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 diner that they met, the Patty and uh, yeah. Lori met at. Yeah, could could definitely mm. be. I I don't know for sure though. Um, but this revelation that you know Kevin wanted to disappear, not his family to disappear, but he wanted to disappear out of his own life, and then that in an instant 
when the the leftovers event happened, when the departure happened, he converted to just wanting his family to be together. So th- that's the thing, right? It it plays into this idea that the GR want people to remember. And ultimately that could have been the goal of Patty for him to just get on board with the the idea that you should be affected by the departure. Because Kevin is very much fighting against that this entire series. Do you think that he's accurate and that's what Patty wanted him to understand? Because what I wanted... does he say exactly there? He says that... Well, Matt is the one that convinced me because Matt said this woman stuck a piece of glass through her throat. Yeah. She wanted to be damn sure that you would understand the, the message that she was sending. So she understood that you understood at that point. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting the way that Matt is using this. Like, I need information on how to help these people, so I need to know what she said before she died. So, I And I thought that was kind of interesting that he was looking at this like, I'm getting into the psychology of why these people, because this must be something they all share, this sense of guilt and blame. They're called the guilty remnant, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things to consider here. I mean, the show's wanting us to assume that Kevin's view, which is the guilty remnant kind of view, is the accurate one, but that only seems like it makes sense in hindsight because we spent a lot of the previous episode talking about what did that mean when she said you understand. Yeah, I, I'm so I'm not, not entirely certain that I completely understand it right now. Oh, I felt like, like I, I did after this, but now where we're talking about it, I'm like, just because <laughs> Matt, just because Matt's got me convinced. Yeah, maybe. I don't, he's got Kevin convinced, too. Because the other thing that Matt doesn't know is about those voices with his head and the voices with Dean. He doesn't know that big piece of the crazy puzzle that's lore, that that Patty seemed a little bit more plugged into. Yeah, I wonder how much Kevin Sr. has told Matt uh, about Kevin Jr.'s predicament. Well, and then, you know, is Dean and Kevin Sr. and Patty all working together? And to what end? We don't, you know. Sure, I don't know. Lots of big questions still to be answered. Um, and again, the camera work here, the writing is, you know, what you see came off the page, but the fact that they like when they did the inserts in Matt and Kevin holding hands and how they framed it, um, and Matt pulling the, uh, you know, goodwill hunting, it's not your fault. I just thought it was, 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 was awesome, which segs immediately into finding Wayne in the bathroom. What did you make of that? Oh, man. Uh, so this is interesting from the perspective of whether or not Wayne is actually Holy Wayne, whether he's got any kind of supernatural powers to grant this wish. Did you realize that we were hearing updates of this manhunt throughout the episode? No, there I, was, didn't, I didn't pick those up. I didn't the first time, but on the second, there there is uh, radio shows and television shows in the background constantly talking about uh, you know, the F, the agents surrounding Gilcrest, which is uh, Holy Wayne's last name, and there's a shootout. Okay. And, um, so, so we see him shot in the guts, it yeah, looks like. Yeah, like guts, guts look like they're spilling out. I couldn't tell if they were actually hanging out. It looks like to me that they were spilling out. Uh, I wonder how that injury happened, but I don't think it's important ultimately. Uh, what's more important is whether or not we think that this wish that Kevin makes was actually granted by Wayne. Okay. First of all, what do you think he wishes for? I want my family back. Okay. I don't think that's very controversial. I think most people agree. And I'll with be that. damned if I I felt like that uh 
you know, Justin Throw did not fucking emote that through his goddamn <laughs> chocolate brown improbably lashed eyes. Sure. Like sure. I felt like I was reading a goddamn well, I teleprompter. It, I read it in his abs. I don't. I don't know what you were looking at. Uh, but well, we don't have the same physique, so sure. Th- then there's the question of whether or not you think Wayne was actually able to grant that at the end of this episode. Is that Wayne's doing? Is that coincidence? Man, Universal? That's the brilliant part of the show because it works. You could make a compelling case that it's his baby that ultimately brought that family together. But think about what Kevin's family was uh-huh. before the hap- the happening. The I'm sorry, departure, the, the yeah. departure. Mm. He had another man's wife. Okay. Another <laughs> man's child. Uh-huh. And uh, one from and kind Jill. of and and Jill, yeah, his daughter. Now he's got another man's wife, another man's child, and Jill. Yep, he got so his family back. He got a family back that is, and and we still don't know. It, Fuck Lori, she's not part of that family anymore. She's done. You're out. Strong words You're from Jim Jones. Never go against the family is all I'm saying. This can, <laughs> <laughs> that's your Sicilian blood ducking, Jim. Um, they, no one sliced palms in this episode. That's that's, that's boardwalk yeah, ducking. Okay, fair um, enough. I, I feel like that that could be interesting. Um, I feel like that will enrage a lot of viewers because I feel like a lot of them have your. They've Lori's burnt so many bridges that if they try to make some kind of redemptive angle with her and Kevin being husband and wife again, that that's going to be a no sale. They just have to take the long road. There, they can't shortcut it. Well, also, I think I don't it's, feel like she's earned it. There's a lot more to be had, I think, in her patching up things with her kids. Um, which sure. I have a big question at, yes. the, at the end of that. Before, but but first things first, I'm the realist. Uh, secondly, uh, I feel like that you can't say whether Wayne is a fraud or not because I really can't. I'm 100 percent convinced that was his wish. Although Wait, a frog, a frog, a fraud, a frog. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm 100 percent convinced that he convinced that he did wish for his family, and that that wish does seem to be largely come true. Yeah. No, I think he got his wish. Uh, I I wonder about Nora in this final scene. All right. Well, let's not get to her just quite yet. Oh. Okay. What what did you think about the agent asking Wayne or asking Kevin about if Wayne at, talked to him about Russia? Good fucking question. Made any physical contact with him? Do the agents believe that he's fucking man? The well, son of magic God. Fuck, magic fucking hugs. There's your physical contact right there. Is is there some kind of disease that's spreading? There was one interesting. No, Reddit I, I theory. felt like they wanted to judge whether or not he was helping him. Or, or mixed up in this whole thing in that, you know, magic fucking hugs, that's the physical contact they were thinking of. Oh, okay. Like, are, are you an acolyte? Did you get, did you get yeah, a brain bug? Yeah. Uh, or did you get converted? Okay. Now, that makes, uh, that makes Russia, perfect sense. Russia is off our radar completely so one, until this episode. One of the things we talked about in our preview cast yep, yep. is the ABCs of the departure, which is on watchingtheleftovers.com. And they've been doing a lot of interesting social media games. Did you get a load of what they sent Nina saw over it. at Project Fandom? Uh, a bunch of people, right? Like I saw one with Andy. There was one posted on Reddit. Yeah, a, a lot of people got the same thing, but they sent you like yeah. a digital frame with a USB drive preloaded in. You plug it in, and it's a picture of two guilty remnant women smoking and staring at you. Yep. Staring right at you. It's very unnerving. And about two or three minutes in, they hold up a sign that says, stop wasting your breath. And the sign is personalized for whoever they sent it to. Mm-hmm. Like for Nina's, it said Nina. For Andy's, it said Andy. That's some genius level shit. Um, I love it. 
but this site that's generating all this stuff, this arm also generated these ABCs of the departure. Um, one thing that we had a big question of last year or last episode was that there was a U for uranium and plots nefarious. Yep. This week they had Y and Z, I believe, or maybe it was Y and X. And the and Y X. was for Yemen and something about um, the uh, enemy there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, y is for Yemen, our holy war. And it's got, you know, barbed wire like you'd see on the beaches of Normandy or something, uh, kind of wrapping up all these soldiers. Yeah, what the hell's going on there? Because there's also a news report about unrest in the Middle East and reports of resurrection. And now they got this. They got Russia involved. They got Russia involved, the social media game that's implying something going on in Yemen. Is there some real life thing that we're eventually going to get an explanation or that? Is that going to be a part of the series going forward? I don't know. Like I, I feel like this series has the potential, based on these graphics and kind of some of the more uh, tangential stuff that we see in the episodes, that this could be going toward a larger, like a real fight. apocalyptic type. Yeah, thing. like the GR build to a point where they're pulling pranks on a global level, and. People are fed up with that shit, when we talk, and it starts real wars. We talked about the biblical period that you had the seven-year period um, where you know you had three, three, and, three and a half, half years of peace. peace and three and a half years of this uh, yep. unrest. We're right at three-and-a-half-year period. We see what happened in Mapleton. Yep. Is that happening throughout the world and throughout the globe? It could be the case. That, yeah, they just haven't shown us that except through these small glimpses and on And the what television. the fuck does Israel... The IDF, Yemen, Russia, Here's what does all thing. have to do with X. it? X, look at X. X is for extinction, we fear is the payment. With a big X made up of human bodies kind of falling out. Yeah, and there's only two letters left, letter. Y and Z. Yeah, and Y is for Yemen. Z oh, is no, for the, already, oh, the uh, Z? Z is for zero, our final score, and it shows the the town burning again. This is the second time the town has burned in those huh. graphics, I think. Interesting. Uh, a bird falling out of the sky on fire. The deer kind of wrapped up in the trail of the Z here. Huh. Uh, clearly, I mean, that's talking about, you know, burning down the, the town with the guilty remnant. Uh, but V also says that. V is for violence, our situation precarious, and it shows a burning town with a bunch of people marching out of it, spitting fire. So it, it feels like there's something bigger coming in Season 2. All right. Um, so... One thing I got to say, I have, and I feel terrible about this, but the episodes invited it. Um, there's an almost idyllic drive home with Kevin and Matt going back to Mapleton after they get cleared. You know, Kevin drops the fact that he's a cop, and that just makes everything go away. Sure. Um, the song conspicuously talks about dream and dreaming, and Kevin is, like, nodding off in the last scene before we get to the town where it's just a fucking nightmare. Oh, no. Another dream? Is there any chance that <laughs> this is all going to be a dream sequence that he wakes from at the beginning of next season? Sure. There's a chance, and fuck you if that's true. <laughs> I, that is the worst possible way do they you want, can end a Do season. they want us to have that threat in our mind? Because else, why all the dream imagery and why showing him kind of nodding off? The island is magic, and this is all a dream. Fuck you. No way, man. No way do they pull that. Um, Mapleton's a fucking... It's a savagery. It is Lord of the Flies. Yeah. Kevin comes back to chaos. And you say you can't believe it? I totally bought it. No, no, no. I I can't imagine myself being in that situation. Oh, okay. 
I know that riots happen. Sure. I've never been a part of a riot. I mean, there there have been riots everywhere. There are riots going on right now uh, in Missouri. Sure. So seeing that depicted in this way really affected me, and I don't know why. And a whole town, not like a street. The whole fucking town. The whole town has come down on these people, and they're— there is roughly no law in the city to There's stop it. There's a handful of cops. Most of them the have chief left. The police is out. He's gone. The fire department doesn't want to touch it, doesn't want to risk their lives for all this bullshit. So no one is really stepping in to stop this violence. It's it's very scary. Um, Meg, it must be said, has got the patty smirk down cold. Yeah, yeah. Is she going to be, is there going to be a leadership power battle between her and Lori next year. Mm, Meg seems a little more gung-ho about this than Lori does at this point. This sure does. Sure does. Could be. Could be. Is there going to be a Patty-Lori situation with Lori sacrificing herself to further the group's objective? I, is she that convicted? And I don't know. Again, I feel like there's two ways she can go. Away from the guilty remnant or even deeper. Even deeper at this point yeah. would have to be the Patty route. Because <laughs> she's be. in pretty fucking deep. For sure. I keep going back to the idea that Patty was kind of crazy to begin with. Yeah. And that people who don't have the experiences that she had before this event aren't going to be quite as devoted to the cause. And maybe her death will kind of unravel them a little bit. And, that, you know, because this was planned by Patty. Certainly. This is not Lori's thing, really. No. She didn't put this together. So I, I wonder if there's going to be a lessening of the – after the vicious attack and beating that the GR have taken this episode. I don't uh, know. They could double down or they I was going to say, I don't think that dog will hunt. Yeah. This is not how the, the, this cult type works. But that was all under the, under, under the, the direction of Patty. So it's like but, and they once saw, your that's figurehead the – It's like taking out a, an officer on the battlefield, all right? All right. right? Uh, you mean creating a, a martyr? Uh, here's how this works. I <laughs> no, see. No, I mean killing the officer who's <clears throat> directing the troops. They I just, lose focus. <laughs> I just feel like the way I understand cults to work is that um, the only way you can really kill them is with apathy and ignoring them. Mm. They they will slowly lose power because you can't fight apathy. It's hard this to ignore shit, what they did. They plan something to get a reaction. It succeeded beyond their wildest imaginations. Several of them died. Mm -hmm. If you get... This this is a hole where the sunk cost fallacy becomes real. Like, if they say they're going to stop now, that means all of this stuff was meaningless. If you double down, then all this stuff has rich meaning. And you're actually doing something that's making a difference on a huge scale. It's way easier to keep going and doubling down than it is to stop and be like, whoa... Yeah, yeah, there's no. You're right. There's no reason for them to stop at this point. Um, it, it does make me question a little bit more why Patty did what she did on the eve of this big event. It was clearly to get Kevin to truly understand what her message was. No, that I think it also is designed to sideline Kevin because Kevin was maybe okay. the one force in town Pull him out of there. that could have stopped this riot from happening. He could have yeah, yeah. marshaled the police and been respected enough. Sure, but she could have done that in, in many different ways, get Kevin out of the town. To, to kill herself says that she really wanted this message, whatever it was, to impress upon Kevin. 
And I think it has. I think, you know, it changed Kevin in a significant way. Uh, I'm just not certain exactly what that message was supposed to be, like we talked about. I don't know that I totally get... I, I don't understand it as well as Kevin does. How about that? All right. Uh, but it's pointless for her to kill herself right before all of this violence happens. I don't know, because I feel like... Unless she's directing a very strong message at Kevin. I think there's that. I think she's trying to sideline Kevin. I also think she was she had groomed Lori to take over so that she could do... I mean, it's kind of like uh, you don't ever just leave one plan and and leave that to chance it's going to work. She had like three or four prongs going here. But you have All to of be... them could turn the, the town to chaos. I'm, I'm just saying that her death was part of the point. Otherwise, what purpose does her death serve? She could have accomplished those goals without dying. She could. I don't. I don't know that that's true. Like, the, here's the thing. What, what I'm saying is, the goals that we see her accomplishing could have been done without her dying. Her death must have served the purpose of convincing Kevin, well, who is going to have some kind of let me give you another angle change going forward. This town is already a powder keg ready to blow. Mm-hmm. And there's been several townspeople I have a conversation with Kevin that, like, you know, maybe you guys shouldn't look too hard. Or, like, implying that maybe the cops are the only thing that's – the rule of law is the only thing that's keeping people from just taking to the streets and killing these people already. Uh-huh. It gets out in the news that the chief of police is secretly rounding these people up, torturing them, and killing them. What does that but do not, to the town? none of that's out there. But what I'm saying is what if the, what if the Memorial Day had fizzled? She's like – she's blowing up the bridge at so both ends. her contingency plan was to kill herself? Yes. Like plan B She's fucking all kill in, myself? man. No, plan A is kill yourself. I feel like that, no was, way. that was plans A, B, and C, and you're not even seeing D, E, and F. I mean I, – I don't know. I, I think she – I mean, I, I don't think she'd do you're that. You're making an as... argument of why would she ever kill herself because there's no plan that could possibly be better than her staying alive and continuing to lead these people. I think that's a very flawed argument when you're talking about Patty. Why? <laughs> Man, this is where, like, you as a purely rational being just can't get in this headspace, I guess. No, I get that her death could serve a purpose, but at this point, nobody knows that she's dead. The only people who know that she's dead is maybe Lori. Dude, Matt I, and Kevin. Yes, but that eventually will not be the case, or especially. But we don't know that yet. <sighs> okay, I, I, I don't know how to further explain it. She's crazy person. There's well, there's a lot of different it. ways that she can sh- shake and shock people into action. I feel like this is an additional one that her and only her could take. And may, you know. So maybe the nod puts into action another plan that Lori is going to carry out after Memorial Day to oh. reveal her death? I don't know. I don't think Lori has any... It, it seems pretty clear to me that Lori has no further plans at this moment. She's lost. She did this thing, and I think she's kind of horrified at what has happened. Sure, and lose, almost losing her daughter was right. a big part of that. To the point that she... Like, let's talk about that scene, because this, to me, is where it really got dusty in the bald gave. Um... Lucy, who's the mayor, is walking around like completely shell shocked. It's going to be interesting to see how she, as one of the you know leaders of the town, recovers. Uh, Lori's getting pulled out of the house by this mad gang, and Kevin just comes fucking regulates on her. She manages to scream out Jill, 
which breaks they, her vow of silence. Which is interesting how they played that that could be the fact that her voice is so disused and also could be the smoke inhalation, but she's just like <laughs> really croaky until she just rawly rips. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. The smoke inhalation from the fire or cigarettes <laughs> for three years? Uh, how, you say what you will about unfiltered camels and, and Marlboros. Uh, house fire, it hits hard. It hits. She was just in there. Yeah, the throat hit on a house fire. You can't compare to a carton of of Winston's. Um, so this thing with Kevin is so goddamn heroic. And yep. like on so many levels, father saving the daughter, the sheriff saving. I mean, and like he's just kicking indoors. Yep. He doesn't give a fuck about any of these people except for his daughter. It's like, are you Jill? Fuck you. You're not Jill. Are you Jill? I don't even care if you live or die. Yeah, he accidentally You're not Jill. saved someone else. <laughs> well, I'm not saying like a like Whoops. Forrest Gump, that's what would happen. Oh, you're not Bubble? I'm going to halt you. I'm going to be yeah, yeah, yeah. He just doesn't give a shit. He's just a dad. Sure. And he's trying to save his daughter. And this fucking Makes Max sense. Richter music, it wrecked my shit. R-E-K-T. <laughs> wrecked. <laughs> okay. I couldn't fucking see by the end of the scene. It's like so blurry. <laughs> Got smoky in there. It did. I did yeah. It's that, that smell of vision. The house fire was in my living room. <laughs> I couldn't get over it. No, it's a fantastic scene. Uh, I, I, every every level of that. And you got the bonfire of the loved ones in the middle. Yep. Where it's like, man, maybe there's a real body or two in there of the guilty remnant. Who the hell knows? Yeah, and it's it's tough to take a side here, honestly. Like, you don't want to see the guilty remnant burned and killed. You don't want to see mob. But at the same time, fuck those guys. Yeah, no. Look yeah. at the horror they just put these people those through. Those old couple burning their Down syndrome loved one, and it's melt. I mean, it's just some fucking yeah. emotional shit with this evil-ass music behind the whole thing. Yeah. <sighs> um, we already talked about... You know, Kevin and Lori and Jill, and they're all eyeballing each other mm-hmm. um, and what they're thinking. But the, that scene was undercut with Nora with her loved ones and the music starting up again and her writing this note, which when I you first say undercut. You don't mean I don't mean undercutting. I mean, like under playing supporting okay. the opposite okay. of undercut. It's <laughs> yeah. super cutting. It, it wasn't sabotage. But no. OK. No. Um, and she's talking about what I thought she's writing a suicide note. Yeah, yeah. That then became clear that it was not a suicide note. It's not goodbye. I'm I'm going to go walk the earth. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a Jules from uh from Pulp Pulp Fiction moment. Yep. Could have been an I'm joining the GR. It letter. could have been. Um, we see Tommy and Lori that happen to meet at the Heroes Day Memorial because hmm. she's completely lost. She we see new meaning of her looking at the statue of the baby being ripped away from the mother. She sees Tommy. What what's going on there? Does she talk to Tommy? Oh, man, I want to say she talks to Tommy. That's a. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. Had Tommy already dropped off the kid? It's the to prodigal Kevin's house? son returning, right? I mean, only the t- one parent blows blew my mind. Didn't see that coming. Sure. Uh, I feel yeah, maybe she maybe she talks to him. Does she the one that suggested leaving the baby on Kevin's step? Or is that something that Tommy's like Maybe that's this him giving man, away his possessions and Tommy has just joined the GR. Could be. But there's more to it that too, because he's also like 
Kevin's the kind of man that'll take a child and raise him as their own. And he did Tommy it with knows me. that, yep. <laughs> so I this is the first place I can think of. Sure. Even my own mother, I don't trust that to do. But I do trust this man, this good man. Yeah, I buy that. That sets that stark contrast between his father's philosophy that they're bad men. Mm-hmm. Does that say Wait, something the, the, about the grandfather, Kevin Senior? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Does okay. that? I mean, how do we reconcile that to opposing views that these are bad men? Kind of like the Russ Cole philosophy in True Detective. You need bad men to deal with the other bad men in the world. You know, when the bad when the other bad men come knocking. Sure. Um, uh, is that going to be a suggestion that the town is long term in trouble because? Kevin is deciding to be the good man. Uh, I don't, I don't know that Kevin Jr. deciding to be a good man, which I think he did this episode, is is going to be a problem for the town. I don't know why it would be. Hmm. I mean, he's, I, I, I don't know. He's always kind of been this town needs antagonized Jesus. by the GR. This town needs Jesus, Jim, and needs. <laughs> He, 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 he needs he, Matt. Matt's got to step up. He, yeah, it needs either <laughs> either Matt or it needs uh, some nightstick to the head. Yeah, it's, an atomic bomb. It's, it's going to need some police action. Yeah, just drop a bomb on Mapleton. Maybe go to Ferguson, grab some of those tanks and shit. There you go. Uh, that they're depressing. Well, Mapleton's the got those. What are you talking about? <laughs> Mapleton's got eight hundred million dollars worth of government surplus shit. Yeah, because of their uh, Heroes Day festival. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> had to had to make sure nothing got out of hand. Uh, actually, they totally need that shit. Can, they do f- yeah. from what we saw last night. Um, a couple tanks would have served them well. What do we make of the feral dog now mm, being healed, being tamed? Uh, well, it's always kind of been wrapped up with the GR. We we have speculated wildly on that, uh, and it seems like I, I think Matt or sorry Matt Kevin has come to an understanding, and this this wild dog philosophy I've always had with Kevin, with the two sides of him being the dog and the deer, um, and one of them being kind of violent and instinctually lashing out at the GR um, has always been represented by that dog. And so he's tamed that side, it seems. Like Kathy, Kathy. what is her name? Patty. (laughs) So many wives at the end of the the names here. Uh, Patty taught him the message that he needed to know and now he has tamed the side of him that is super angry at the gr it seems Mm. or angry at the departure itself like he now has has a better understanding of the departure and who they are and how they fit into this puzzle there's a super strong take i saw on reddit that i really liked that mentioned that the dogs went crazy when their owners went disappeared Mm mm-hmm and they theorized that that's because the animals had this cognitive dissonance that important people in their life went missing, but everybody, all their owners go around like nothing happened. They were refusing to deal with that grief and that, and that drove the animals crazy. Sure. And that's been when they Kevin. saw the fucking town lose their shit, the animals were like, finally, <laughs> we're not going crazy. Something actually happened. Yeah. You guys finally noticed. So now we're can, we can be cool. And that's the same scenario for the GR, right? We finally made you understand. Except for it's not going to be we enough made, for them. We made you think. remember. No, it probably won't be. And, and and people have a tendency to go fall back into their old ways, I'm sure. Yeah. 
But th- but in this episode, they did make them remember. They sure as hell did. And they grabbed the tiger by the tail and had no plans on dealing with its teeth. Sure. I, I think, in-, in a weird way, the town and Kevin and GR and Patty have all come to an understanding at this point. It's It took <laughs> a lot of violence and a lot of disturbance, but... They all kind of get each other now. Huh. I don't know about that. I don't I don't know about that. Um I don't think it's gonna be all holding hands and kumbaya. No, no, I don't think it is, but the people of the town have been very angry at the GR for a long time. Yeah, how do you deal with this as a civilization going forward? Like you had mob violence, people died. Are there mm-hmm. like you can't just start next season with life goes on. Depends there's got to be trials, there's got to be hearings. What the hell is the ATFEC uh, going to deal with? You know, how are they going to handle this uh, massive upset and violence? Because I have a, I have a feeling that this didn't wasn't just confined to Mapleton. Yeah. Yeah, this could be a Memorial Day across the globe. Although it's not like as they were driving back to Mapleton, the whole fucking world was collapsing. So, you know what I mean? Like sure. they had a fairly uneventful drive. Yeah, I mean, they're way out of the way, though. I didn't see a lot of towns they drove through. Um, did you, So I thought when she's writing this letter that we were going to find out the significance of the mailbox because it's just going to happen to be that mailbox that Laura drops the postage off into. Huh. She instead is going to deliver it right through her door, finds Holy Wayne's uh, baby girl, mm-hmm. says, look what I found. Uh... Holy Wayne de- delivering on the wish, granting the wish. Holy Wayne said that these children were going to be the bridge. Are they going to be the authentic? This is going to be the non-shortcut. This is going to be the authentic bridge to Nora's happiness. Could be. Did you notice that when uh, Tommy met his mother, there was a bridge prominently in the <laughs> in the background behind him? Uh, I didn't notice that, but I saw it on Reddit, yeah. Okay. So there there's could be some hay to be, be made there that... These children he had are all going to end up where they need to be to do maximum healing. Sure. Are we going to flash forward five years so this child is now a five-year-old and can talk and do some creepy old people things? Um, I'm just wondering for season two. Well, like Falling Skies? Like the baby's going to be no, 21 I'm gonna she's gonna years like old? She's going to like super, and... but like, uh, you know, like the, uh, the spoon kid from The Matrix. Sure. Like an old soul. We get like yeah. she's four years old, but she's, you know, quoting Shakespeare and shit. There is know. no dog. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't no know. I don't know, man. Uh, did you notice the blue painted Y sign across the street and from Kevin's front yard? No. There's this little sign, like it's kind of like uh, you know when people die on the side of the roads and people put little sh- shrines. It's kind of like that mm-hmm. on a stick, and it's just a big sign with y- with big letters that paint Y question mark. Hmm. Maybe it's another Yemen. Uh, thing <laughs> like the letter y no no it's w h okay but that's how meta they get that damn linda love <laughs> anything else you uh, what did you think about the look on jill's face when she beheld nora look on jill's face when she saw nora i was holding not focused wayne's on her. baby okay because I, I, I on kevin i i'm a little concerned that there's little storm clouds in in mm. the, on those those face on that Jill's face. not going to be as happy with this family as kevin is yeah and Nora is. She might not be quite sure about the whole Nora situation. Yeah, could be. Is Nora sticking around, or is she going to take off? I, th- I think she's sticking around. Yeah. 
This, she's going to move out of her house, move in with Kevin. Yeah, this reuniting of the family. I mean, in the letter she says, like, I think I was in love with you. I think you love me, all that stuff. So I'm pretty sure now that they have been united as this kind of weird family, they're going to become a family. Okay. I think that's that's the moment she needed to to really start healing. Anything else you want to talk about, or should we get in some pimping and feedback? No. Uh, I did want to say we were talking about you know in the in the HBO special podcast we did we were talking about come some of our predictions and that Tommy was coming back, not coming back like we thought, but that was definitely a fucking streetlight. <laughs> Oh my god! Like the gas lamps were shining, man. All right, they were full. It was a street light. They were full you. of whale oil blubber. Yep. But also, Tommy did not get anywhere near that blue fucking bus. No, he did so not get taste, on or off the bus. Taste that. Um, <laughs> there's another a contrast. What do we make of the fact that yes, Tommy rejects help from a man of God, and Matt or uh, Kevin reaches out to Matt, and. Mm their relative success or you know i mean what the hell's gonna happen to tommy next year uh tommy i could see tommy joining the gr honestly it'd be interesting if his sister got out of it just in time or his half sister or whatever got out of it just in time for him to come back and get into it now that he's met up with his mom again what if he converts her to the holy wing church i he i don't think he's a disciple anymore man really like he's doing what he needs to do to protect the baby and the girl, but is is Tommy going to stick around that, town in the beginning of next season, or is he going to be gone? No, I think he'll stick around, but he'll stick around with his mom. Hmm. It'd be interesting if he found out that his dad was with Holy Wayne in the last moments of death. And I'm saying there's and there is it, there yeah. are some quote, and tells him about the wish. There are some bridges. Yeah. Speaking of babies, there are some bridges leading back to that plot line. For sure, I'm interested to see where that goes. I think that's it. Although, you got to say, uh, the GR are not very consistent with their wardrobe. I mean, Jill wearing the black underwear. Come on. And the blue bra. Come on. Clearly. That's not GR-approved clothing. And she wears it throughout. I feel like this is we should call this podcast Man of Faith, Man of Science. <laughs> You're just rigid, Why? logical rule master. Come and I'm on, like, man. hey, You're man. Either gonna you either gonna wear all white or you're not. Hey man, God's like, also you know, interesting and stuff. The 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 guilty remnant kind of look like cigarettes themselves, and they're lit up at the end of this series. Ooh, mm. Mm. strike anywhere. <laughs> That's what the townspeople are saying when they grab them. Strike anywhere. Yep. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. Jim, we have a lot of exciting things to talk about because this might be wrapping up. The, the 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 leftovers the following the leftovers the happening the departure <laughs> the unit uh the bridge mm-hmm. all those d things but we've got another podcast that's just getting started it's boardwalk empire final season hell yeah season five super excited one of my top five ta- uh, favorite shows in television mm. uh, we did a preview that we released friday we got the full episode coming out tuesday uh, t- later today tuesday follow us there did you know Walking Dead's coming back October 12th? Me and Jim are genuinely excited at the prospect, unlike in years past. We are so <laughs> excited. We're doing a Month of the Dead promotion. We're going to be doing some cool stuff all October long. Uh, it starts on the 2nd of October. We're going to uh, be having covering some zombie movies. 
We got some old Zombie Drill episodes, which are the very first television podcast Jim and I ever recorded. They were never released. Yep. We had a whole library of them working up to be what we were then going to call our Walking Dead coverage. We fucked it up. We <laughs> shit canned it. We went right to Breaking Good. The rest is history, except it's not. Yeah, it's coming back from the dead. Jim found these on an old hard drive, yep. and we're going we're gonna to launch. We got some uh, guest hosts. We're going to cross-pollinate with some uh, of the other Walking Dead podcasters. We got the contests and giveaways. Go to baldmove.com. Stay up to breast with that. Uh, also, if uh, you're looking for something else to do, we're rewatching season one of Breaking Bad, and not a lot of people have figured that out yet. Um, we're having a lot of fun with that. Uh, join us again at baldmove.com for that. And we're going to be hosting a fan fest for Breaking Bad fans in Albuquerque, uh, November 7th and 8th. Uh, you can check out baldmove.com to get more information on, on that as well. Uh, if you'd like to support what we're doing here at Bald Move, there's a plethora of ways. We just added a straight-up donate button uh, on the support page on Bald Move. So if you don't want to do any of the subable bullshit, none of the Amazon stuff, you can just straight, straight out give us money for nothing in return. Why you would do that? Speaking exactly of crazy sure, cults, but... I mean, eventually... Yeah. We've keep... got big Memorial Day plans, is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like for every buck they send, we should like take a piece of their clothing, too. <laughs> Sure, we're it's we're going to take all your possessions, starting with your cash. Yeah, with your cash. <laughs> Eventually, the last two things we'll mail you is a uh, a, a white sweatshirt and a matching white sweatpant bottoms. Yeah, bring your own shoes or go you or go shoeless. Then you can be barefoot cult too. You're multi cult at that point. Post post departure survival guaranteed. You hedge your bets across red and black, odd and even. You can't go wrong. Wrong. You can do that. <laughs> you can go to subbable.com slash bald move if you want to actually get something. Uh, for your support, check out all the different uh, backer levels there and all the things you can get, the cool Bald Move content and memorabilia options. Also, Amazon is still there, amazon.baldmove.com. And it works, y'all. We get like 33% of our income from that. People are like, oh, what is I'm buying batteries and a toothbrush and erotica for my Kindle. How's that support in Bald Move? Well, <laughs> it does. We don't understand it either. Yep. It goes in through Bezos' fingers and out comes dollar bills for us. But it's remarkable. Uh, if you can't do any of that, please consider telling a friend or a family member or sharing our stuff on social media. And you can always give us some rating reviews on iTunes. That all contributes to our success on our network. And Jim and I really appreciate it. Let's talk about some feedback, shall we? Yep. The opening salvos from JD. He says the orchestra version of Metallica's Nothing Else Matters as the Guilty Remnant walk out to cause havoc on the town was badass. Their intent was to get people to remember. I'd say they succeeded. Mm-hmm. What's up with the Mork and Mindy playing in the loony bin? It's sort of ironic to have a television show with Robin Williams. I don't think it was Mork and Mindy. I point of fact, I believe it's a conti- it's still Perfect Strangers. Oh, is it? Cousin Larry and Balky. Yeah, I didn't see that. I could be wrong. I'm going to try to catch that on my rewatch for the wrap-up cast. I don't know what's up with it. Uh, I'm still not sure what to make of the ending. Why did Tom leave the baby on the porch exactly? How did he know to find his mom at some random location in town? Is Nora staying or going now? Judging by the look Jill gave Nora, she does not approve. We talked about that. Uh, we did not talk about how he knew to find his mom in some random location in town. Yeah, I don't think he knew, did he? Is this just another coincidence in the show? Could be, yeah. All right. I, I think so. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Just wait till it starts raining fish. Yeah, fuck that. Fish NATO, I cannot get down behind. 
Oscar A. said, when Kevin was reading the Bible passage and choked up or hesitated a bit on the word departure, it reminds me of how tainted that word has become. It feels similar to seeing the clock strike 9-11 or that number becoming a price for something at the store. I wonder if the characters feel the same way. I think that's a very strong possibility. How about you, Jim? Yeah, definitely. I think the the 9-11 comparison is totally accurate. Uh, and intentional. Oscar A. says, the way Mapleton's psyche splinters like that reminds me of any Romero zombie flick where the everyday person are the, become the biggest threat over the supernatural event. Maybe I'm reaching, but it was a great tense episode. You're a Romero expert. Yeah. Uh, li- licensed, recognized, and legally a Romero sure. expert. Got my certificate. Yep. What do you make of that comparison? Uh, that's not just limited to Romero. I mean, certainly... Uh, that plays out in most zombie fiction where the zombies are the big threat right up front, but then survival becomes dealing with the people around it. And now we see that in walking dead as well. I'd say that's any post-apocalypse because that's certainly Mad Max. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, Jake from Tallahassee said Lindelof says the show is about the characters, but the finale potentially sets up something bigger. The Memorial day stunt is what likely starts a three and a half years of disarray, which he says that theory has Oak strong legs Riots, new cults, decimation of the GR, this all seems very likely. My question is, would you guys rather see more of that disarray and chaos or more of the localized Garvey drama? I find myself wondering how insane and interesting these events must be to New York City compared in New York City compared to some Jill and Amy drama. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think they've blended both of those really well. And I don't know why they'd continue without doing similar, without doing the same. Does this shit happen in New York? What do you mean? The Memorial Day stuff? The GR? The I feel like it's harder. Like some of these small town dynamics would not scale up to New York. Like you're not going to be able to get in secured buildings. People are not going to leave their doors unlocked. You're not going to know the people enough to get a dossier on their departure habits. People move around too much. Hmm. The chaos would be proportionally larger. Yeah. But I feel like New York... Like a big city, like this could go down in my hometown. I don't know that it could go down in Chicago. Uh, potentially, you could be right about that. I, I think certainly as the side of the city scales up, the size of the GR scales up as well. So they have more resources. So, yeah, they have the ability to monitor more people, and mm. so maybe there's a, pro- a proportionality thing there mm. that kicks in. Yeah, and it, and it could happen. I, I don't know. What do you think about his that that would be more interesting to see like New York City up in flames than getting in like what's going on with Jill and Amy? Like next season? Yeah. We see kind of the, Do you think the, the bigger... show will transform and become a bigger, mm. more straight up apocalyptic struggle? Like something like the stand with a little less supernatural underpinnings, or do you still see this as being a quiet character study? No, I still see it being a character drama, uh, first and foremost. And I think the way that they've handled that in this season is not necessarily foreshadowing for what's to come next season as far as storytelling, but just the way that they're going to portray what's going on in the rest of society is through hints, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to see character dramas and kind of around them on TVs and radios and stuff. We're going to be hearing about the things that are happening elsewhere and they'll build a, a a world history that way. Do you, yeah, <clears throat> let's move on. I, I just don't know if it's if it's interesting. It, it's a very different show, and that's the thing. I 
it might strain the realism to keep this constrained to Mapleton. But on the other hand, look at how much drama they have already. And not just like, you know, drama like Mad Men drama. Mm-hmm. Like, shit's happened. Churches yeah. have been... I mean, it's Painted also, white. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's weird that a guy taking a brick to the face and, and, and a church getting painted over was a mo- monumental event, but it was. And then people mm-hmm. have stabbed themselves in the neck. I thought it was a potato to the face. A potato, it's... <laughs> you know, reasonable people have disagreed. Uh, Elizabeth G. said uh, that... When this show started, she said the reason that she would watch it was because of Justin Thoreau. I feel like he lived up to that compliment in the finale. I bought into his broken down character and his guilt over wanting to leave his family. I have felt his despair. Elizabeth, how the fuck did you know about Justin Thoreau? Because me and Jim were talking about this. The only place I've ever seen this motherfucker was like on a supermarket magazine, mm-hmm. like the checkout aisle magazines of him standing next to Jennifer Aniston, wherever the hell they are, because they're sweethearts, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I I looked up his IMDb. Apparently, he was in Zoolander. He was the evil uh, dreadlock DJ. He's writing and directing <laughs> Zoolander 2. Uh-huh. He actually has a lot of, like, funny movie chops, but it's all been behind-the-scenes stuff. How how was he on people's radar? I, I don't know that she's saying that he was on her radar before that, but she watched it because of him. He was so magnetic in the pilot that that's why she would keep watching. Okay. That's that's... why I read into it, but maybe not. I don't know. Okay. Maybe she's a massive Justin Thoreau fan. Um, well now I feel stupid because you're, you're right. I think I read that wrong (laughs) and we should move on. The Nathan P said this week's episode of the leftovers. Um, although some people might've been watching the following, uh, don't confuse. Don't don't play. Don't play with my fragile sanity. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Don't don't do that. Don't. That's like giving me a rabid dog. It's just not going to work out. What if they out. put Kevin Bacon in this series next season? Oh Jesus! <laughs> and they call him Justin. <laughs> oh, I couldn't get through a podcast without making a factual mistake. I couldn't get through five minutes of one. Uh, he said uh, this finale was pretty intense and emotional. I felt sad watching the show. Kara. Kevin and Nora's breakdown scenes were intense, and Jill mentally stonewalling her mother was satisfying and cool. Uh, he wonders who made Meg second in command. Who died and made Meg second in command? Apparently, Patty, I think, yeah. Patty. I felt the beginning of the episode of the GR felt a little handholdy. You know, most viewers probably already guessed the GR's plot, so there was no real need for it to show the flashback. Totally mm-hmm. agree with you there, Nathan. Yep. I hate to say it, but the end felt a little too perfect. Kevin and Jill are together again. Lori may not be in the GR anymore, and Tommy's back. That's what I liked about it, and man. And Laura's got hope again, and they have a potential god baby, and the psycho dog is good. Yeah, a little too perfect. Like, this whole mm. thing is supernaturally or a dream. plotted out or a dream. I kind of uh, like that. This felt a little jarring to me, considering the whole depression we as viewers went through the season, but this could be the message that there's always some form of hope in the world. Mm. Also, I don't know that this show could have been... Of as oppressive and depressing, oppressively depressing as it has been in a stretch to the better, bitter end. Because I felt uh, an excitement about next season beyond the fact this is a quality product. I actually had an emotional catharsis, and I don't wouldn't have had that if they just kept the pedal to the grim metal. Yeah, all the way through the end. I'm with you. Uh, it got a little scared during Patty's return scene. Dreaming of a ghost lap dances from your arch enemy proves that you must be a bit crazy. But on another note, Tommy's now screamed in pretty much every episode he's been in. I wish he'd join the GR and shut up. <laughs> Not a bad take. Sure. 
We'll see him in the GR next season. Here is the uh, contrarian view from our old pal E. Rin. Oh, okay. After reading through the Facebook thread, I felt like I might be in a minority, but was disappointed in the finale in some way. Not even really sure there was some alternative plot I was pulling for and then was disappointed. But I caught myself saying out loud at one point, no, no, don't just give us everything leading up to the Memorial Day reveal. The flashbacks to the pictures being taken from everyone and Patty laying out the clothes. I felt like I was being spoon-fed the ending and it was disappointing. Sure. One of the best feelings as a viewer of excellent television is this Tetris-like falling into place of everything. It made me miss the days of Vince Gilligan where you'd either picked up on the thread or you were left going, holy shit, how did they do that? Either way, that's more satisfying than having the climax spelled out for you. We broadly agree with that. That's yeah, the one yeah. stumble this episode took. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of the climax, I'm all for a denouement, but I felt like they built all the way up to Nora's incredible pain and then flashed out of it immediately back to Kevin. I might be a masochist, but I would have much preferred to have both storylines build to finish simultaneously. Take what I have to say, the grain of salt, though, because overall it's one of my most favorite shows on television. I'm still looking forward to next season. I don't think we've seen the last of the crazy lap dance dreams, and I really want to know what kind of wish made Wayne like uh, make that demon smile smirk face, and where the hell was Nora going? Frustrating finale aside, plenty of questions to be answered, and I'm all in. I feel pretty clear I know what was going on behind the whole Wayne thing, and that's just the way Wayne smiles. Wayne smiles like a great white shark. <laughs> His Pretty death, much, yeah. one of the most fantastic I've ever seen. Getting the man to drool blood on command like that. And, and while staring in the camera while still break, eyes. breaking the de- and sliding down. Oh. And then when they drop Kevin on the floor and him on the yes. floor. Uh. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mimi Leader, she is like come out of nowhere. To be on my director, I will remember her name wherever I see it now. Yeah. Because she Good did job. some fucking amazing work and this and other episodes. Uh, sm- this person who identifies himself only as Smussel55. Mm-hmm. Wow, what an episode. I hope, uh, let's see, where's the dog? Sh- sh- they're talking about open threads. Where's the dog shooter? Sure. It's obvious this is not the Reverend's first rodeo on burying a body. He had his clothes, the water, the prepared <laughs> passage, and shovels in his trunk. Good point. Matt came... He knew what he was going to see when he came out there. Matt came loaded for accomplice to murder bear. Yeah. I mean, he was ready to go. Had all the angles covered. Uh, I thought the dream was pretty real until Patty showed up, but wow, what an effective way to portray Kevin's fear of going insane. After watching the season, I want to try and watch the episodes in a different order, starting with nine and... The first episode is the second episode, but I'm not sure where to go from there. Uh, Through the rest of the series? I guess she's trying, or I don't know if it's a he or she. Maybe you could put uh, Nora's episode right before this one? Would that be interesting? Well, I mean, what are you trying to go for? Like a memento effect? I don't know. It would be interesting to do, start with the flash. Okay, so go chronological, and then character, and then plot. So um, do Matt's episode, then Nora's episode... Then the flashback episode and all the others in order. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like if you aired them that way at the beginning, people wouldn't be on board. Oh, no They'd shit. They'd be like, who is this character, Matt? Why do I care? Or Who is this character, Nora? Why do I care? Alternatively, it'd be interesting to go um, the flashback episode, all of them in chronological order, and then yeah. Matt and Nora. Because Matt and Nora's story are kind of related. They're brother and sister- you know, you'd have to, I don't know. 
Yeah, I'm not sure because Nora's episode is the one that really spells out the body doubles. True. Um, Very Matt's true. episode, like, you, you find out about Nora in episode one where she's giving the speech at the Heroes Day. I, I don't know. I don't know how you'd do that. It's interesting because Matt and Nora's episode has a feel of an indie flick. You know, one of those things where it's just like, uh, okay. you know, a lot of talking, a lot of emotion and quiet moments. Um, kind of like that one show we saw, uh, that one movie about the town that had the bus full of kids. What was that thing called? Not wait. Sweet Hereafter. Sweet Hereafter, yeah. It reminded me a lot of that, where just this self-contained meditation on grief. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know if there's a, a way that you can improve the order. Jonathan M. from Indy says, What an amazing season finale. The dream sequence definitely had me on the edge of the seat for a mindfuck of what's real and what isn't. Beautifully handled. Let's go meta on the whole Michelle McLaren reveal that her mind, the dog shooter, isn't real. Okay? Uh, all right. Scenario one, her statement is a red herring meant to throw us off. Scenario two, her statement was true and he isn't real. If he isn't real, then she let the big one out of the bag, like revealing a, by the way, Kobayashi isn't real and this is Kaiser Sose mid-movie. Highly unlikely. Scenario three, let's understand the Lindelof's likely approach. It's purposely vague and we may never know. There will not be a mug-shattering Kobayashi moment. Why did the departed disappear? Eh. Is Magic Wayne for real? Hmm. Is Kevin just crazy and imagine everything? Ooh. In the end, it's truly a character study with teases that may or may not be answered. Um, I wouldn't think I'd like a show like that, but I ended up loving it. I do get the impression sometimes with Lost and with this show and other shows that people are grasping at themes. Uh, I'm talking about the people who make the show. It's kind of a casserole of themes that maybe don't go together completely like this is not the perfect line of tetris sure you're not fitting every piece together you're kind of going for themes that you think are cool for example you're going for plots that make sense plots that are intriguing and mysterious but not all of it comes together for example, ooh, we're doing a lot of cool Bible things here. Uh, Let's keep doing those. Those yeah, seem to work. Moses was left in a basket in Egypt. Yeah, can we let's, get Lazarus in there? Let's, let's let's do Cairo, and then let's have the kid drop him off in a basket on... And a, let's tie that to a National Geographic that his yeah. dad's given him, and why? Well, his dad's crazy, so is he really crazy, or is he saying something? like? Sometimes there's no there there. You can get a little there, there. Sure. this stuff. And sure, sure. We as fans, fans can do get it even more up our own ass. Showrunners can do it, and then we can take that and even you know, like I'm sure Lindelof feels like if he dyes his hair red, we dye our hair purple. <laughs> like wherever we go, like wherever just he throws tattoos. My God, sure. The number of people who are reading into his like Native American shit on his shirts and which is the bullseye on his wrist and the yep. beetle on his bicep, and it's yep. like. See, I didn't talk about the bullseye because I already got stung on the scarab. I know. This shit doesn't necessarily (laughs) tie together as closely as you think. So I'm kind of of with him where maybe it's not just completely thought out and planned. It's just stuff that's kind of cool and themes that they're interested in in their real lives and they want to explore a little bit through their work. Uh, that's all the feedback we had for this week, man. If you'd like to give us more and let us know if we left a stone unturned, I'm sure we did. We'll have lots more for next week, including my 
I don't know how in-depth it will be, but it will be a discussion about differences between the books and the show. Uh, I've heard from several people that the final scene of this uh, episode is a almost identical to the final scene of the book, implying that there is no more leftovers for the leftovers. They're, they've used yeah. them all up. We're going to have to have... Is it still the leftovers if you're cooking from scratch? <laughs> no. No, it wouldn't be. Maybe Tom Perotta will write a sequel in the off-season. There you go. Just a little something disconcerting about Lindelof turning off the GPS. <laughs> you know what? I don't need Google Maps. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm halfway there. Yeah. I've, I've, <laughs> I've made this trip dozens of times. At least seven seasons worth. <laughs> um, but we'll have lots more. You can give us feedback at leftovers at baldmove.com. Again, you can follow our podcast show threads on facebook.com slash baldmove. And tweet any uh, uh, thoughts you have to Jim on Twitter at bald move. Again, we'll be back a week from here for our wrap up that we will sign off and then wait eagerly for season two. But until then I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See ya. Hey, one last thing before we go, uh, our buddy, Jesse Wilson of personal arrogance fame, one of our best buds in the whole world is doing a Kickstarter to fulfill his life dream of opening a brewery. We did a little uh, interview with him and his wife, who's also his business partner, that we're going to put at the end of our podcast this week as a way to uh, help draw attention to his uh, cause. Uh, if you're a fan of Good Beer or the Bald Move family, give this a listen. And uh, I put a link in the show notes if you want to check out his Kickstarter and see how you can help. Yeah, it's uh, something we're kind of sympathetic to, you know, having struck out on our own with this podcasting thing. It would make nothing make me nothing happier than to see my buddy uh, brewing beer. And it's not like this is a pipe dream. He is a brewing professional, so is his wife. I would love for him to come up with a bald move blue a brewery yonder. <laughs> uh, so, and we with Jim and I are uh, our backers of this project, so so we believe in it personally. Uh, but check it out. I think it's interesting, and uh, we will see you next week. Joining us on the podcast now is our good buddy, Jesse Wilson, and his wife, Tasha. And uh, if you don't know it, uh, they do a podcast for us, uh, Personal Arrogance, on the Bald Move Network. And Jesse's one of her best buddies. In fact, you are closer to me than my actual flesh and blood brother. Uh, you have put me up on your couches on multiple occasions when I visited Seattle. You have plied me with many f- a free beer. Uh, you've been a real minch and a real friend to Jim and I, and we are super excited because you've got some really exciting news vis-a-vis a brewery you're trying to kickstart, and we want to give you a little time on our podcast to talk about that. Thanks, man. Yeah, Tasha and I are uh, kickstarting a brewery that uh, hopefully will be located in Bremerton, Washington. It's called Lovecraft Brewing Company, and uh, you can find that on Kickstarter. by If you just search Lovecraft, it's the first thing that pops up. And uh, we have a Facebook page. If you look up Lovecraft Brewing Company, you'll find that. So um, it's real exciting. It's a lot of work, and we got a long way to go, and we need all the support we can get. So if you donate, we have a bunch of cool uh, donation levels. Like, what are some of the stuff you like, Josh? I think the hoodie is probably one of my favorite things. And we have lots of really cool artwork done by Eric Walquist, who's very talented. Yeah, personal arrogance fame. Yeah. And we have pint glasses and even a handmade sign that I made on my pottery wheel. So that's pretty cool. 
That is cool. Yeah. Yeah, uh, bald move our backers. By the way, we we are. We, I'm getting that hoodie. We get <laughs> right. and I, I'm getting the t-shirt. So all right. <laughs> um, uh, so Lovecraft Brewing Company. How'd you come up with the name? Well, I've been a big Lovecraft uh, fan, a fan of the writer H.P. Lovecraft for a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, I also love craft beer, and uh, so I kind of just put two and two together and sort of portmanteaued it into Lovecraft Brewing Company. So it's definitely, we have a lot of nerdy origins, but we're trying to, like, cloak it so that the normal people are like, oh, they just love craft brewing. Ah, that's yeah. uh, nice how it works out. And you guys, it's like, uh, you know, Johnny, Johnny Come Lately's on the Lovecraft train. You guys have been talking about that on your podcast. You guys host the annual uh, Pubcraft Love Crawl, or is it the Love? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the HP Pubcraft Love Crawl, uh, HP Lovecraft theme pub crawl in Seattle every year. I can yeah. tell you struggled saying that. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a tongue twister. Congratulations getting through it. I seriously you take a hit to your sanity every time you say it. Now, if people are backing, they're like, "What confidence can they have that Jesse and Tasha can actually deliver on this promise of making tasty beer?" Uh, well, that's actually one thing that separates us from a lot of other brewery upstarts on Kickstarter is the fact that between Tasha and I, we have over seven years' experience in the brewing industry. Mm-hmm. So uh, we already know how to make great beer, and it's just a matter of doing it for ourselves instead of doing it for someone else. What kind of uh, flavors and stuff are you guys targeting to uh, on your release? Well, we have a really great IPA to start out with. And um, we also do a different, a couple different blends of uh, Belgian-style beer with Britannomyces, so it's nice and uh, a nice bite to it in a good way and tart, sweet. Yeah, it's a it's a nice tart flavor. From we use two, it's a, it's two strains of yeast, including a Belgian wild yeast strain, so it gives it a a very distinct flavor. As well as we're going to use Northwest. Ale use for our IPA for a nice traditional IPA. Natasha, you have some uh, distilling experience. Is this something that potentially you guys would be willing to get into if the beer part was successful? Would you guys get to still out, start bre- yeah. brewing some shine? Or Most definitely, that's <laughs> something we want to do in the future. It's uh, it takes a lot more. It costs a lot more to do distilling, and you don't get as much. Um, profit out of it so it'll be something down the line but i definitely would like to do that yeah totally we just checked out a place today for the uh potential brewery and it's it's already sprinkled yep which is very big nice uh anything else that you'd like the potential backers to know oh yeah i just want to let everyone know that we are truly embracing the spirit of independence here which is why we need your support we can't do this without you uh we had someone on the podcast who called in and was all gung-ho about it and was like, if, even if the Kickstarter fails, just do it anyway. But there's not really any just doing it anyway. So we really, really need all the help we can get. And um, we appreciate every dollar that comes through. So please, yeah, uh, check out the Kickstarter. And if you see something you like, uh, please donate. Yeah, and feel free to ask us more questions online. We have our information at the Kickstarter. So if you have any other questions. And to help you guys find it, we're going to include a link to their uh, Kickstarter and Facebook on all the show notes that we're running this uh, for this week. Uh, when is the how, – how, I know because uh, we're going to run this uh, right this next week, and then we're going to probably run it closer towards the end of your campaign. How long do they have to support you guys? When is your campaign closing? It closes in 
52 days, so just at the end of October, basically. Yeah, okay. I think it's October 27th. All right. So uh, just a, a reminder for everybody to get there and support Jesse and uh, Tasha. I'm super excited for you guys. Uh, I wish you guys all the best. My fondest fantasy would to be on my next trip out to Washington. Uh, I get a tour of your guys' brewery and uh, yeah. make a little, a little nip of those brews. Oh, yeah. That sounds great. All right. Well, thanks for uh, having on. Do you got anything else, Jim? No, nope, that's it. All right. Thanks, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.